learn and to understand the truth of it, uh, that it would be a help to us and instruct us in some areas of our lives that will guide and direct our steps. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's turn to Matthew chapter 18, if you will. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 18. And uh, I don't know how far we'll get tonight. I have um, three different uh, passages, subject matter, uh, that I want to deal with from a scriptural uh, perspective. Again, just trying to clarify what the Bible says about some things. And uh, we want to make sure that, uh, that we uh, don't misunderstand things of Scripture or misquote. A lot of times we'll quote a passage of Scripture and we will misuse its application. We, we will uh, take it out of its context. There are times that we claim promises that uh, are not promises uh, along the lines of what we're claiming them for. Uh, and we've got to be so careful of some of these things. And um, so I want us to, to look, we're going to look at three, Lord willing, three different passages tonight. Um, if we didn't get that far, if not, we'll pick up again next Wednesday. But uh, if you will, let's read down in verse number, uh, let's go to verse number 15. Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee. Thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take uh, with thee one or two more. And in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word uh, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, uh, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. And oftentimes we refer to this passage as dealing with, and we use the term or the phraseology, church discipline. And uh, one of the things that is very, very important for us to understand is that it is a, a three-step process that God gives us here. <clears throat> if at any stage the brother who had done the trespass uh, gets that right and deals with it and confronts it and says, you know what, you're right, I'm sorry for that. I've asked for God's forgiveness, and we're going to get this thing squared away and get it right. Then, then that ends the issue. Uh, you continue to pray for them and help them and along the way, help restore them if there's a need for that. Uh, but that's the end of it at that point. Uh, so many times, uh, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll continue to uh, push on and push on, even after the person uh, comes and gets things right with, with whoever it was that they had the issue with. And uh, this is dealing uh, with a personal injury. Uh, notice what it says in verse number 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. So all three steps of this are referring to an injury that took place between one person and yourself and something that they did to injure you or to uh, create a fault or a trespass, the Bible says here in verse 15, against you. Uh, I'm not going to teach on church discipline tonight, but what I want to get to are verses that we take out of context that belong to these verses. And that is verse number uh, 18 and 19 and 20. Uh, the Bible says, uh, let's back up to verse 17, we'll get a running start. And if he not, shall neglect to hear them, uh, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church... Let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth 
shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again, I say unto you that if two or uh, two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, uh, there am I in the midst of them. And um, I want to deal with, there's three different verses here towards the end that get so misused oftentimes. Uh, a lot of the charismatic and, and word of faith type ministries will use these verses over and over again. And if we're not careful, we will use them in the same context that they use them in, which is not at all the biblical setting of it. In verse 18, uh, the Bible says, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever shall be loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And you'll hear sometimes these uh, word of faith preachers, if you call them that, or charlatans, I would call them, or false teachers. Um, but you'll hear them when they get up uh, and they, they talk to Satan in their services. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, that just always has bothered me. And they'll say, I bind you, Satan, and they'll talk to Satan in the middle of the service. And my thought is, let's talk to the Lord. We don't need to be talking to Satan in our church services. Uh, but they'll use things like, I bind you, or sickness, I bind you. or uh, And they'll use this verse, that whatever we bind on earth, God will bind it for us in heaven. And they will use this verse that we have authority to bind things uh, that are our whim. You know, we want this to happen, so we're going to bind this, or we're going to loose this, we're going to loose the blessings in our lives. And their, their mindset is that uh, whatever we bind, uh, God's going to say, okay, I'll, that's what I'll do. And whatever we lose, God's going to say, okay, that's what I do. And the prob- there's a couple problems with this. One is it doesn't fit the context. Uh, the second thing is, if you'll think about it, uh, they are once again deifying man and humanizing God. They're saying that man has authority over God, and whatever we state, God has to do it. Uh, there's a problem with that in Scripture. Uh, there is never a time that man even comes close. We don't even fit into the same realm of elevation that God is. And uh, there is no reason for us to... They, they go so far as to teach the doctrine of what they call it little gods, and they dropped little a few years ago, and they actually say we are gods. Uh, and they'll actually come out and make that statement. And I say how blasphemous that is. But I want you to understand that what Jesus is speaking about here is the issue of the authority of the witnesses and or the church to come and approach that brother. And then there's a parable that he gives in verse 21 to illustrate this. And it's the parable of... Uh, the man, uh, the king, uh, the Lord in this case, uh, let's see here, um, verse number 22 is where it starts. And um, verse 23, I'm sorry. He says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. For as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him. Do we see that word? Loosed him. 
and forgave him his debt. Dealing here with forgiveness. Alright? But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. And so he puts him in bondage. He puts him in the prison. And so keeping this in mind that Jesus is using this to illustrate what He's just taught His disciples about this this person who had uh, trespassed against them. How do you deal with it? Well, you go to them and you try to get it right. If they refuse, then then you take it to the next step. If they uh, repent of it, they get it right, then you are to say, it's all done. And Jesus says in verse number 18, uh, uh, verily I say unto you that whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. In other words, I give my authority to that decision. You've done it the biblical, the scriptural way, and that is right. If that brother does not repent, that, 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 that you hold them to account for that. If they do repent, you give forgiveness and you move on. And this is the authority that Jesus is saying, if you do this and you do it my way, then yes, that, that's, that's what I will agree with in heaven as well. And it will be a just decision that is made. Now, notice in verse 18, he says, Again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth, as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And so, uh, oftentimes, we quote this verse, verse number 20. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So, let's look at some things that this does not teach, all right? And then I'm going to hopefully show you what it does teach. It is not telling us that God's presence does not show up unless there are two or three people gathered together in His name. That is not the case. The Bible tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in us, which we have of God. And we are not our own. We are bought with a price. God's presence indwells us through His Holy Spirit. Uh, We do not get more of God's presence just because there's two of us now or there's three of us now. Uh, We get the presence of God no matter what. So it is not dealing here with the idea that, boy, if we don't have at least two or three people, then God's presence didn't show up. That is not what is being taught here. It is not teaching us that because there are two or three people, that we have more power with God than any other time. We have the ability, the Bible says according to the book of Hebrews, each of us individually to come boldly to the throne of grace and to find help in time of need. And we all have that same capability. Uh, Now, we find that there uh, in verse number 19, it says again that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, uh, which is in heaven. And uh, so many people claim this verse. And they say, well, I'm going to get somebody to agree with me that I need a brand new car. And we're going to agree on this. That is not what this is teaching. Again, within the keeping of the context of how to deal with someone who has uh, trespassed against you. These things are being taught. I- I'm going to give you, uh, within the context... Uh, what uh, are being taught. This is actually referring to uh, the trespass of a person that has trespassed against us. 
So what it is dealing with is after a personal confrontation, one-on-one, if the person does not change or, or does not get the thing right, that we are to take two, one or two witnesses. By the way, and that's interesting, if you'll notice this, uh, look in verse number uh, 16. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more. If I take with me one or two more, that would be how many? Two or three, right? So this is how we know that it's dealing still with this same subject matter. So uh, it is not dealing with uh, individual standalone promises that, boy, you can get somebody to agree with you and God's just going to do it. Because it, the truth is, there are times that I've had somebody pray with me about something and it didn't come to pass. If that was the case, then God would have been lying about it here in verse number 19. So we know that that's not the case. So it says that we're supposed to go and confront if they do not uh, get things right or make it right with you that you are to take one or two witnesses to establish the confrontation and to uh, make sure that there is a record of this issue. If they continue still not to do this, then we also take it to the church, and we let the church know about it. And what God is dealing with here in verses 19 and in verse number 20 is the fact that He is uh, stating that if we do it His way, then this judgment that we are having on folks has His authority behind it. This is something that we have done His way, and He puts His stamp of approval on it and says, if you've done it this way, then it's, it's the same way I would have done it in heaven, and that is my authority. It is to be treated the same as if God Himself were to do this discipline Himself directly, because He's putting His authority behind this. And so the two or three that is referred to here, again, is dealing with the one or two witnesses that come. And he says in verse number 20, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. In other words, uh, I am a part of that process. You've done it the biblical way. So be careful uh, when a Wednesday night happens and it's snowy and icy outside and we only have one or two people show up at, at Wednesday night church saying, Well, Pastor, where two or three are gathered... I hope not, because I don't want to be going through this process. That's not the usage of it, all right? So be careful uh, of misusing or misunderstanding the Scripture. Uh, There is a process that God has given. He's teaching His disciples, here's what you do if someone uh, trespasses against you. You're to do this process. And then He gives His authority to it in verses 18, 19, and 20. He says... If you do it this way, that is my process, and this is my authority behind what you're doing. You have the, the spiritual authority from God to do this. And that's what those verses are, are dealing with within the context. So I hope that will help on that particular verse, because so many times we take that one out of context and we use it uh, almost as a joyful thing. Boy, we, at least we got two or three here, so God's going to show up. Well, God's with us regardless of whether there's two or three. All right, so we need to understand that and know that. All right, let's look at the uh, the second one that I want to deal with tonight, and that is Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 1. And we may or may not get to the third one, uh, which is probably okay. Uh, We can wait till next Wednesday if we need to on that one. All right, Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 1. 
Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. How many times have we heard people say, don't judge me. Uh, Judge not that ye be not judged. And usually it's because somebody is living in sin and they don't like the fact that their sin has been pointed out. And they say, don't judge me. You're not to judge me. And if we're not careful, we as Christians will read this and say, well, I'm not supposed to judge. Let's take a look at the Bible, all right, and see what it says. First, I'm going to deal with what it is not saying. First of all, it is not saying that we are not to ever judge, because this would contradict other scriptures. And the Bible does not contradict itself. There are some things and there are times that we are to judge. And the Bible's very clear about those. Let's look at a couple of passages. Hold your place here, Matthew 7, because we're going to come back here to find out what it does teach, all right? So let's go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, first of all. And let's find out some of these things that God tells us uh, we are to be judging and we're to be making sure that we have discernment in them. 1 John chapter number 4. Look with me in verse number 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. If we are to obey Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, taken out of its context, we could not fulfill John, 1 John chapter 4, and verse number 1. There has to be a judgment of what constitutes a false prophet. A false prophet will have a false spirit, and the Bible tells us here that we are to try the spirits. We're to put them up alongside of a standard and see if they meet the standard. Well, what is the standard we put them alongside of? We put them alongside of what? The Bible. If they're teaching something, I, I was actually I was doing some research uh, about a week and a half ago, and I came across a video clip of a preacher, a man who claims to be a preacher. Let me put it that way, a preacher um, who said, "I'm going to be." I, he said, "I'm not a preacher. I am a prophet, and I will tell you things that you won't even find in the scripture, and that's okay. I can be unbiblical because I'm a prophet." And that's what he said. Those were the very uh, almost word for word what he said. I'm going to tell you things that are unbiblical, and that's okay because I'm a prophet. Uh, Can I tell you this? Uh, The prophets of God will always speak God's Word. And we don't have prophets today in the fact of new revelation. We do have men that proclaim the Bible, and they are to be tested the same way Old Testament prophets were. We are to test the spirits. Are they in agreement with the rest of Scripture? We cannot make that determination unless we judge. Do we see this? All right, let's look in John, the Gospel of John, chapter number 7. The Gospel of John, chapter number 7. Let's start in verse number 21. Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and ye all marvel. 
Moses, therefore, gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, and the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry at me, because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to the appearance, notice this phrase, but, what's the next word here? Judge righteous judgment. Now, let me ask you a question. If something doesn't meet the standard of what I believe, is that righteous judgment? No. If something doesn't agree with things I like, is that righteous judgment? No. How in the world do I have righteous judgment? I have to judge according to what? The Bible. Uh, The Bible is what we judge by, because it is our standard of righteousness. In fact, the Bible says that it is profitable for us in do- for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in what? Righteousness. It is our righteousness. It's the way that we judge righteously. And, and Jesus tells us in verse 24, That we are not to judge according to appearance. He says, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So there are some things we shouldn't judge or some ways we shouldn't judge, but there are things that we are to judge. And God tells them to us. Jesus told us in Scripture. Let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse number 15. Uh, In fact, let's back up just a little bit. Uh, Verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be attempted above that ye are able. By the way, that verse will be next Wednesday night, just in case you were wondering, because we uh, misunderstand that verse often. But will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. Who's writing this? Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But who's the author? The Apostle Paul. He tells them, I want you to judge me by what I judge by what I say. Okay? What was the standard that was to be used to judge what Paul was saying. What is it? The Scriptures. Remember in Galatians, he said, Though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than that which we have preached, let him be what? Accursed. And he put himself in the group that if I depart from it, even I should be accursed. He was, he was strong enough to say that. And so he tells us here in verse 15, I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. What is the standard that they use to judge what he says? Other Scripture. What Paul is writing, what Paul is teaching under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, must be in agreement with the Word of God. It has to be the same gospel. It has to be the same truth. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. 
dare any of verse number one, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall what? Judge the world. Now that's speaking of the end times. We will be judging the world in the end times. You say, okay, well, Pastor, I agree with that. Uh, We're supposed to judge, and that will be in the millennial reign. I understand that. But let's see what else it says. And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest of matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to what? This life. We are to judge things that pertain to this life. Now, notice what he says in verse number 4. If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to what? Judge. Do you know the church is supposed to put people in a position to judge things that are pertaining to this life? It's It's actually a role that's given here. He says, set them to judge who are the least esteemed in the church. They need to have a spirit of humbleness and meekness about them. And when they judge, they are to judge the things that pertain to this life according to what standard? Not a worldly standard, because that's what he's condemning them for. He said, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust? He's saying, look, you get somebody in the church that has a meek spirit that knows the Bible and can judge, what's their standard of judgment? The Bible. They judge the things pertaining to this word, world according to this book. Now, let's go back to Matthew chapter 7 for a minute. What is Jesus talking about then? Is this a contradiction of Scripture? Well, no, because our Bible does not contradict. All right, let's look at uh, chapter 7, verse number 1 for a moment. Judge not that ye be not judged. Wait a minute, he's not done yet. He's still talking on the matter. So let's see what else he says. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. By the way, that is a true statement. And I'll show you why in just a moment. And of course, all of it's true. It's one reason why is because Jesus said it. But I'm going to show you the application of it here in just a moment, why, why he said it that way. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? So we see something that is developed here in the context of what he's saying about not judging, right? We see that there is a tendency for us who have something as bad or far worse and getting on to them without dealing with our own problem. Now, he doesn't say we're not supposed to deal with their problem, but we're not to do it while we're still leaving ours undealt with. All right, let's look at what he says here. Uh, Or wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou, what's the next word here? Hypocrite. So here's the context of verse 7 in chapter 1. We are not to judge hypocritically. We've read all all kinds of Scripture, and I didn't read all of them to you tonight, that we are to judge how? Righteously. Where does that come from? The Bible. Hypocritically is, that I don't like what they're doing, and I'm going to judge them because they shouldn't be doing that. Wait a minute. i got some major problems of my own i got to deal with too first before I can ever come to them. 
That's why Paul said, let them that are least esteemed in the church, the humble, the ones that are walking with God, the ones that are contrite in their spirit and understand getting things right with God and keeping their record clean with God and saying, I want to have a relationship and a walk with God. Notice he says, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see what? Clearly. So once we deal with ourselves, then we are to judge. We will be able to see clearly to cast out the moat of thy brother's, out of thy brother's eye. Alright? Now let's go back to verse number 3 for a moment. So understanding that there are two different types of judgments now that God has dealt with. One is a hypocritical judgment, and one is a righteous judgment. Now let's look at verse number three for a moment. Or verse number two for a moment, I'm sorry. For with what judgment ye judge? Okay, we have two types that are spoken of here in Scripture. We have the hypocritical judgment and we have the righteous judgment. This is based on the standard of God's word. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. You judge with the righteous judgment, guess what you're going to be judged with? A righteous judgment. And by the way, that's a good thing. Because I want righteous judgment on my life. I want to know when there are things I don't line up with Scripture on so I can get them right. I don't like hypocritical judgment. Because that's just people who don't like me. Who are trying to give me a bad taste in their mouth and just lash out against me. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet. Oh boy, this is a big one. It shall be measured to you again. Are we going to have righteous judgment? Are we going to have hypocritical judgment? We're not to have hypocritical judgment. Jesus is teaching that. But we are to have righteous judgment. So for me to stand up, as a Christian, I'm not saying as a pastor in a pulpit. I'm saying as a Christian, if I did not have this role in this office, in, in this church, as a Christian, it would be absolutely fine for me to stand up in the society of the day that we live in and to bring judgment to it in the areas that do not align with Scripture. Homosexuality. Absolutely, it can be called out and dealt with scripturally. Abortion, absolutely, it can be dealt with and called out according to Scripture. I would say this, they are going to be watching us. I, I was listening to um, um, David Gibbs a number of years ago, the father. He, uh, he does, if you don't know who David Gibbs is, they have a Christian Law Association and they go around and they defend churches and they try to help churches uh, that get into legal issues. He, uh, he actually came to our church. He was talking to our, our deacons and some things, trying to help our church make sure that we were covered on some things and make sure that we weren't open to some, some liability and some issues there because we had a Christian school, we had running buses, we had all kinds of stuff going on. We wanted to make sure we were covered. We had brought him in. And he, he was sitting at my dinner table one night, and he said this. He said, you know, the biggest problem we have is church constitutions. He says, because churches will put everything that the Bible says a church ought to be in their constitution, but then they don't practice it. They don't hold to all of the Scriptures. When they say that our Bible is our sole authority of faith and practice, and that every Christian is going to do all that they can to live according to that page, or that book, 
And then we go into the courtroom and the person who's accusing the church says, we don't believe that they follow their own constitution. Because, do you do this? Oh, no, that's in our constitution. Oh, we don't really do that. Do you do this? And they'll start pulling scriptures out of the Bible. And they will use the Bible against us. Why? Because we judge some things hypocritically. We've been condemning of the world and we've been very vocal about it when we ourselves have not yet said, I'm going to do everything I can to live by this book. And I will say this, that while a lot of us have the desire to say, I want to live by this book, we don't always have the desire to actually do it. We do like saying it. We do like other Christians to hear us say it. We like it when we say, boy, I love this book and I want to live by it. And somebody says, boy, that's great. We love that. But we don't always love what it takes to actually live by it. And the problem is we judge hypocritically. And because of that, the world looks back and they meet M-E-T-E, they meet out the same measure to us with hypocritical judgment. Very, very important that we understand this Scripture. Because there are not just the people in the world saying, don't judge me, but I am appalled at how many Christians who say, uh, when somebody's openly in sin and there's something wrong in society, well, I, I'm not. who am I to judge them? The Bible says I'm not to judge. No, 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 no. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says I'm not to judge hypocritically. But it does say I'm to judge righteously. We need to make sure. Our, our country is in a mess it's in because a lot of Christians do not understand this truth. Satan has used this verse and a worldly mindset to cause us to become accepting of all things. Oh, it doesn't matter if it doesn't align with Scripture. We just want to love everybody. God is love, after all. And that's what they'll throw at you. Don't judge. And God is love. He loves everybody. And He does. But He also judges righteously. And we're told to do the same thing. All right? I hope that will help you on Matthew 7, 1. So if that ever happens again, and, and folks, please, 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 let's do this. Let's dedicate ourselves, and let's do some serious soul searching. We're at a brand new year, and it's a great time to do this. I don't know why we always make it this time of year that we focus on this. But let's look into our own hearts for a minute. Take some time and say, am I, am I glad to say that I want to live by this book? Or am I really committed to actually living by this book. Because our message is undermined every time that we hypocritically pass judgment. We're trying to get something out of their eye and we can't even see clearly. We need a revival of God's people saying, not only am I going to say I love living by this book, I'm going to love living by this book. All right, uh, let, me, let me go ahead. We've we got seven minutes left. I'm going to at least start this one, and we may finish it next week. But let's go ahead and turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. All right, 1 Chronicles chapter 16. That's in the Old Testament, by the way, for those of you that 
returning to 1 Corinthians like I did just a moment ago because my brain wasn't in gear. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Let's start in verse number 14. Um, let's start in verse 13. O ye seed of, what's the next word here? O ye seed of Israel, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Be ye mindful always of his covenant and the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, even of the covenant which he made with Abraham and of his oath unto Isaac, and hath confirmed the same to Jacob for a law, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying unto thee, Will I give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance, when we were but a few, even a few, and strangers in it? And when they went from nation to nation, and from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Who's he speaking of here? He's speaking of the Israelites. Right? There's a lot of nations that... They're trying to come into Canaan. There's a lot of nations there. He suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch not mine... What's the next word here? Anointed. Wow, this is it. The big elephant in the room. All right. Today, a lot of churches... Let me rephrase that. A lot of preachers will use this verse to say you cannot disagree with what the preacher says. Can I tell you this? There's not a preacher alive who preaches every word of his mouth coming out that has been verbally inspired by the Holy Spirit. And as such, as we preach, we are prone to error. We are fallible. We are not infallible. There are, there are, and again, the word of faith, it's just, they, they seem to be the biggest proponents of this. They use it to hold and subjugate the people and to say, listen, you don't raise a hand against God's anointed. You don't touch me. I am the anointed of God. And whatever I say, it's the same as if it came out of God's mouth. And that's in essence what they're saying. You do not go against God's anointed for any reason. That is not the context of this chapter. He's dealing with his own people and his own prophets. Do we have prophets today? Don't have them. We are not his own people here today. And I know we are his children in the fact that we're saved. But I want us to understand something here, that it is not referring to a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary. That is not what it's referring to. I was on the phone this week probably for two hours, with a man who uh, was involved in, a, in counseling, uh, a guy that's in a church that there is some very severe, uh, very open, it seems to be anyway, uh, immorality going on in the church. A number of people in that church have asked for meetings with the pastor. And they came in and they sat in his office, and an hour or so later they walked out saying, I, I'm just going to trust my pastor. I'm just going to trust my pastor. 
And it's not something that's just a slight accusation. It's something that has been open to the church. It is something that is very obvious. And this pastor and these guys, these folks have come in, and I asked the guy this week, I said, why, why, is, why are they staying? And he said, because they go into the pastor's office to call him on the carpet about some things that need to be dealt with in their church. And the pastor uses this passage. And he puts himself on a pedestal that I am not to be touched. And whatever I say goes. And if you don't like it, you need to just trust me because he's basically saying the same thing that that fellow said a couple weeks ago that I was listening to when he said, I'm a prophet and I will tell you unbiblical things. And it doesn't matter because I'm a prophet. Folks, I will tell you this. A pastor, an evangelist, a missionary, you know what we are? We are sinners that are saved by the grace of God. Kind of sounds like the same thing you are. Now, I understand and I know that the office of a pastor, I know there are men that say I've been called to this. Uh, I understand that God can uh, give authority for the purpose of administrating a church to the office. That does not mean that a pastor is infallible. In fact, uh, we're going to see uh, a a few things here. Uh, Let's take our Bibles and let's see what the Bible has to say. Because I can sit here and tell you what I think all day long, and it really isn't going to matter. Unless I hold this verse. I could go to this verse and teach that, and then maybe it would matter. But it doesn't. I need to come to the Bible, don't I? So let's take a look at this. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Let's look in verse number 10. Acts chapter 17. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night into Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now notice what he says here in verse 17. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and... Okay, and, there's a big and here, and what? Search the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Sounds to me like they didn't just trust what the preacher said. They wanted to make sure that what the preacher said lined up with Scripture. By the way, that's biblical. It's hard to have pastoral authority run amok in our churches when a church understands this premise. That's why I love in our Baptist churches, we encourage people to bring Bibles to the church services. Because I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to see in the Scriptures what God has taught. And I'm thankful there have been a few times, and more than I like, but there have been a few times that I've had some very gracious people come to me after a service or later on in a week, give me a phone call and say, Pastor, i got a few questions about that message. And there's a few times I've looked at it and said, you know what, you're right. I missed that. I, I, I didn't have that right. And there are a few times that after looking at it further, I was even more convinced that it was right. And I was able to at least talk to them and say, 
do you see here now how we can show that this is right? And, and usually they come out of there saying, you know what, that's right, I do see that now. But the truth is, we're coming to it together with the same spirit. That is, we want to know and understand this book and its truth. I don't know, I don't know any pastor worth his salt at all that really wants to misdirect his people. There are many of them out there that do want to misdirect their people for whatever you know, fleshly reasons they have. But preachers that are really in, in, into trying to be a biblical and a godly preacher, their desire is to, to teach and to preach the Word of God rightly dividing it. And, and so, I, again, I, I think there's a, a right and a wrong way to, to approach a, a preacher on the issue, too. I don't think you have to come like he's the Pope and bow down and kiss his hand as you come to him. But but don't come like Karen either and, you know, red-faced and spitting and, you know, just say, hey, Pastor, let's look at this together. Can we see this again? And and trust me, I will, I will every time somebody does it, I'll look at Scripture further. I have no problems with that because we want to be right on Scripture, all right? Uh, let's, let's look at uh, some other things here. Look at Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. And we'll be done here, and we'll be able to finish tonight. We're almost done here with this one. Uh, Galatians chapter number 1. This is where Paul talks about this. And I already quoted it, uh, part of it to you anyway, in just a few moments ago. But Paul made this statement in chapter 1, verse number 8. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. In other words, Paul's saying, look, I want you even to take my words and compare them to Scripture. I want you to make sure. It sounds to me like Paul was saying, I want you to double-check me. I want you to make sure I'm right on these things. Because I'll, I'll share a secret with you. Paul was a sinner too. He really was. In fact, so much so that by the end of his ministry, you know what he said? He said, I am the chiefest of sinners. That means Paul didn't always do what was right. I'll be real frank with you. I don't know that Paul always taught what was right. I know that everything he taught in here is right because it was given to him by the Holy Spirit of God. But there may have been times that someone had to come to him. I know Peter did. Paul had to go and confront Peter on on an issue, didn't he? Sure did. All right. Uh, So again, this is not dealing with questioning what a preacher teaches. Uh, it's dealing with the nation of Israel and the prophets specifically, and, and I will say this, and it's dealing with physical harm. So, Psalm 105, the psalmist quotes this in hindsight as he remembers, remembers back, and it's a psalm that's written uh, for the Israelites as they remember back to that, and he uses almost those exact words um, from Second uh, Corinthians. And, it, again, it's dealing there with in fact, when, when David, if you'll remember the story, when David uh, was being chased by Saul, and Saul was camping in a cave, and David went in and got some water there, and he got, got his uh, spear and his, uh, what was it, his spear and his sword, I think, or shield, and he cut off the garment. You remember that? And he came out, and the, the, the armor bearer said, he's right here, you can kill him right now. He said, I'm not going to raise my hand against God's anointed. And again, some some people will use that one. Uh, first of all, I'm not a king. Uh, no, neither is any other pastor. 
but again, that was written to a specific group of people for a specific time, and it dealt with physical harm to them. It does not mean that you cannot search the Scriptures to see if these things are so. It does not mean that. Look with me in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We'll begin in verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having, what? Itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto what? Okay, so they're not going to endure sound doctrine, so they're going to invite teachers that appeal to their itching ears. And the Bible says they're going to turn from the truth to what? To fables. So what are these men that they're inviting in for their itching ears teaching? Truth or fable? They're teaching fable, aren't they? They need to be confronted. They need to be called out. They need to be dealt with by the people who are being uh, led astray from them. All right? Uh, look at Matthew chapter 7. And we've got, uh, I think, two more, three more scriptures here and we'll be done. Matthew chapter 7. And uh, let's look in verse number 15. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus speaking here, He says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. You shall, you shall know them by their what? Fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? So again, uh, we are to judge righteously. And each of these that we've dealt with tonight actually build one on the other. Uh, when, when someone has trespassed against us, we're to go through a process. We're not to judge hypocritically. We're to judge righteously. And because of that, we're to be discerning when it comes to the preaching of God's Word according to the Word of God. And uh, that pastors are not... Uh, you're <laughs> Have you ever heard the word clergy? Have you ever heard the word laity? These are words that were devised by the Catholic Church years ago, hundreds of years ago, to indicate a different class of spirituality. You had clergy that was above so much so that they said, and, and years, this was in the, the Dark Ages, uh, during between 1200 and about 1550 or so uh, A.D., that the Roman Catholic Church literally said the common man, the laity, they can't understand the Scriptures. Only a clergy can understand the Scriptures. And they believed this so strongly, or at least they taught this so strongly, that they literally chained Bibles shut on their pulpits so the common man could not open them and read them. And they made it against the law with the penalty of being put to death to produce and or even have in your possession a Bible that you could read. Because they said the clergy are the only ones that God has blessed to understand Scripture, and the laity, they have to have it explained to them by the clergy. That leads to all sorts of doctrinal errors. 
You say, boy, that's absurd. But in reality, and I'm sad to say this, and, and I am a Baptist, so I'm not trying to just give Baptists a black eye. It's amazing to me how many Baptist preachers, while they will not use those terms and teach it quite that boldly, they are practicing the same thing. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit will teach each and every one of us. Um, let's look in 1 John chapter 2. I'm going I'm to skip a couple passages here for sake of time. We'll just go to the last one here. I, I want you to see this one. 1 John chapter 2, and I think this sums up the whole matter. 1 John chapter number 2. First John chapter 2, verse number 25. And this is the promise that He hath promised us, even eternal life. So who is He speaking to here? He's speaking to Christians. We have the promise of eternal life, right? Okay? And this is the promise that He hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing... Well, that's an interesting word, isn't it? That... The pastor has, is that what your Bible says? What does it say? It says, the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. Not only did you receive it, it took up its abode there. It resides in you. Now notice, this is what that anointing does for you. Look what it says. And ye need not that any man teach you. Isn't it a wonder why they changed the Bible shut? They did not want the common man reading that. Because then they would see the error. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him." Probably one of the greatest verses of Scripture. It's almost like God knew this might be an issue somewhere down the road. And gave us a verse to teach us that this didn't even have to... It was not even the case. Alright? So three things I've tried to help you with tonight and share with you from Scripture what they do not mean. And then tried to show you from Scripture what they do mean. And so I hope that will help you. Uh, where two or three are gathered in my name is dealing with how we deal with those that trespass against us. Not judging hypocritically, but judging righteously. And then uh, touching not God's anointed. That means that none of us can touch any of us because we're all anointed. <laughs> all right? So, anyway. Uh, so don't harm anybody. Don't go out and hit anybody. Pinch them. Poke them in the eye. Don't do any of that stuff. All right? Okay, let's go ahead and stand. We'll be dismissed. Thank you for your patience tonight. I know we went a few minutes over, but let's uh, pray together. Father, we're thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless it and the teaching of it. Lord, we're grateful that it is, it is clear. And Lord, even though sometimes it really boils down to just laziness of not taking the time or, or perhaps just wanting to believe something that um, does not necessarily line up with Scripture, but 